All right, we are back on Locked On Syracuse. Happy Tuesday to everyone out there or whenever you're listening to this podcast because we have you every single weekday here on Locked On Syracuse. Tim Leonard, Tyler Aki, as always, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So, Ty, we talked a lot about Mac ETN on the Monday podcast, kind of in the tail end of that podcast, and after such an awesome recruiting week for Syracuse basketball last week, I think everyone's mind is still sort of focused on recruiting. And the big question now is what's next for Syracuse basketball? You know, the theory of you always want more. Yes. We're getting greedy over here, but now I'm starting to look at, Oh, this is, we're kind of on a heater here. Who else can they reel in in terms of basketball recruiting? So we touched on Mac ETN today. I think we should talk a little bit about 2022, as you said, because that's always been, that class that has been Dior and his friends and who are the friends and who are the promises that he is making. We've always thought Chance Westry is kind of the most likely guy to commit next to Syracuse from that 2022 class. And, you know, they've been early goings after a lot of really talented prospects in that class and kind of using Dior to recruit them a little bit, it seems like. But Westry I think most listeners know kind of the story on him by now, and we did touch on it with Matthew Gutierrez a little bit, how he reported that Dior and Westry were supposed to be committing on literally the exact same day when Dior made that big announcement, and it was almost like a package deal, and we haven't really heard from Chance since. So now I feel like, you know, he is still just a 2022 guy, so there's time there. But now I feel like this staff is really focused on Mac Etienne, and then in the 22 class, it's Chance Westry, who is continuing to kind of rise up the rankings a little bit, too. And here's the thing that's going to be interesting for me with this 2022 class, and I kind of talked about it yesterday, how I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't much more after Benny Williams, just because you've got to, first of all, preserve some space for 2022 because that could be a a really, really strong class. But the way that I look at it is this, too. That backcourt is going to be a tricky situation for Syracuse because you're going to have Joe Girard III, who's going to be a senior. And it'd be very, very tough to move JG3 out of his spot. Not just because of the the tenure, and, and again, age doesn't necessarily equate to playing time, but... Joe Girard III is going to be, by his senior year, you'd imagine at least, in consideration for ACC first team, maybe even some ACC preseason player of the year votes as well. Like, that's the trajectory he could be on after a very strong freshman season. So, you've got nine guys on your roster right now that could be on the team in 2022. And then on top of that, you know Dior Johnson's coming, and you probably start him alongside of Joe Girard III. So you're looking at all these guys who are guards now. And to me, that's kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, where are you going to play? You're not coming off the bench if you're coming to Syracuse, unless you want to have Dior and the gang all together for that one season. Because a lot of these guys that Syracuse is targeting in this 2022 class are all guards. When you look at Chance Westry, shooting guard, Zion Cruz, shooting guard, Roddy Gale, shooting guard, those are all guys who essentially play the position that we're expecting Dior to play. Now, well, Dior could be the one, and and Gerard, I think, could play pretty well off the ball, too. So 
that's kind of the thing that makes me think a little bit is where are these guys going to play? Should Syracuse be looking more at a wing guy? Because who knows? Maybe Alan Griffin's not on the roster then if he gets his waiver yeah, and, and can true. play right away. Or are one of these guys comfortable with maybe playing a little above their size? And again, 2022, so far away. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe one of these guys grows an inch or two or three or like Benny Williams, six. That can happen. <laughs> these are young kids. So plenty of time to develop. And maybe that's something to look into in a couple months or maybe in a year. So I feel like Chance Westry has a pretty decent shot of being a wing forward when he come, if he comes to Syracuse. Like, he's 6'4", 190 right now. That by no means is not what you're looking for in terms of size to play the forward spot. But as you said, I mean, I did a lot of growing in my junior and senior year of high school. That was kind of abnormal, but he still has time. And it, even if he just gains one more inch and, like, ten more pounds – well, then he's basically Alan Griffin's size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, if he's a pretty good leaper and he's athletic, I think given his talent level, you could persuade him that, hey, we'll use you as a versatile guy in both ways, and we think you have long enough arms, and we think you have enough athleticism to play in the wing spot, which has been so successful at Syracuse and has taken a lot of players to the next level through our system. So... I'd say of of the 2022 guys, Westry has the best chance. Of the guys you kind of just named, Zion Cruz, like he's only 6'2", I'm pretty sure, maybe even 6'1". So Westry, to me, already being 6'4", I feel a little bit better about, hey, maybe like the stars align and he could play some forward spot. But it's definitely worth bringing up that, you know, Joe Girard is going to play a lot of minutes that year. I mean, he played a ton of minutes as a freshman, and... I know I have uh, high expectations for him continuing to kind of become the leader of the Syracuse team as we go along here. So regardless of whether Dior comes or not, and that's the whole big if right now, I think Joe Girard is definitely one of the guards in that lineup. And then there's also Alan Griffin, like you said. I mean, we're assuming... Well, and Benny Williams, too, because yeah, he's I a mean, guy a lot. who you'd imagine probably stays two years, maybe three Doubtful just one, I would guess. But, hey, it, yeah. it can happen. We've seen it happen yeah. before. And We're with a guy like Benny Malachi. Will- right, so. yeah. He, he can be one and done. I think he does have that sort of potential, especially if he is developing at the rate that he's shown that he's developed with his within his high school program and the way that his high school coach speaks glowingly of him. But if I had to guess, probably on the roster for 2022. And... When you think about Benny Williams on that roster, so you're looking at potentially 10 guys who are on the roster now plus Benny Williams that can potentially be on this team to start that 2022 season. Now, will all 10 guys be there? Probably not. And I think both you and I are in agreement with that, whether it's because of transfers or it's because someone goes to the NBA. But the fact of the matter is there could be 10. And then, of course, you throw in Dior Johnson to that, so that ups it to 11. Then maybe you got one or two other guys that you bring in alongside Dior, if Dior and all of them even get that far in their process and there aren't some wrinkles that develop along the way. So I think with all of that in mind, just know that there may not be as many spots. For people who think Syracuse is going to pull in four or five four or five star guys, 
That, that, I don't think that's the case. I think it'll be probably a, a three-ish man class, but I think there'll be three strong recruits. And we've heard Matthew Gutierrez talk so much about Donovan Klingon, too, a big man yeah. who seems like he could be a really good fit for the Syracuse team. And they've been on him for a long time and are super interested in him in solidifying that center position for, for years to come. Yeah, we're going to talk to Goody hopefully later on this week. So if anyone has any questions for him in regards to recruiting, Benny Williams, any of that stuff, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. So, I mean, I think you're right. If if chance comes, I don't really see Zion Cruz coming, even though there's the Oak Hill connection there. I just, right. It feels like there's not enough basketballs for all those guys to come. But there are so many hypotheticals when you play this game. And the other thing is, we we really haven't mentioned this name, but Kadari Richmond. I mean, he's kind of sort of the forgotten man here a little bit, and it's not right for him to be getting that label because I think he's pretty good too, and I'm excited about him, but he'll be a junior in 2022. So you've got two upperclassmen that will probably have played a good bit at Syracuse. I mean, definitely Gerard, and you'd assume Richmond will be getting a good chunk of minutes and will have grown a lot by the time he's a junior and know the zone. And then you've already got Dior in that class. So Chance Westry, it'd be nice if he grew a couple inches so he could slide into the forward and maybe you pair him with Benny Williams, who would be a sophomore that year. And then it comes down to whatever center develops the most, whether it is a Donovan Klingon or a Mac Etienne is kind of hard to say right now, of course. But or you've Frank got Anselm, three too, someone on your roster already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Those three centers on your roster – if Jesse Edwards, if there's no red shirt between now and then, he'll be a senior that year. Frank Anselm, a junior. John Bolajak will be a junior. So you think you're getting at least a starter caliber center out of one of those three guys. Yeah, one of those darts better. has to stick, or otherwise you're really going to have problems. Not problems, right. because you'll have enough, but you'd imagine one of those upperclassmen centers will be serviceable for you by the time they're a junior or a senior. And there will probably be more commits to come in that class for sure. So while Syracuse is hunting for those next recruits, you could be hunting for a way to repair and maintain your car and save some money in the process that you can maybe use for some other important things that will be helpful right now, like the mortgage or the food. You know, chain stores, they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. Rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do, rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. All right, we'll talk about a Syracuse All-American next. All right, we're going to talk some football now and Andre Sisco because he was making headlines for being a preseason All-American again and continues to rise up the draft boards. We'll kind of catch you up on where we're seeing him in the draft and what that can mean for Syracuse. But on the football side of things, Ty, I know Syracuse legend Floyd Little has been in a lot of people's thoughts and prayers since he got diagnosed with cancer. And there's a great GoFundMe out there, which I believe has been gaining some traction, right? Yeah, it's called the Friends of Floyd GoFundMe. So if you got a chance and if you can donate, 
it's right now their goal is $250,000 and this is to cover a lot of the medical costs and all, everything that goes into the difficulties of, of fighting a cancer battle. And so right now it's at about 76,000 as of our recording wow. right now. So the love is showing. And you want to know what I find so this is what I love about the Syracuse community too is when you look through cuz on GoFundMe you can see the donations that have come in. You see some of them where they're like $44 or I'm looking right now someone do- donated <laughs> $2044. So that's how you separate the Syracuse fans from maybe the Broncos fans that are trying to help out Floyd Little in his battle. But this is a really cool thing that's been put together and we just wanted to shine a little light on it. So if you if you can spare anything during these times, this is one of those many many worthy causes out there right now. Yeah. Obviously a guy who lives and bleeds orange and just hearing Justin Knight talk about him when we had Justin on the podcast last week and the relationship they had. And if you missed any of that, we tweeted out a little clip of Justin describing the relationship, which was just an awesome story that really describes what the Syracuse family is all about. So Andre Sisco, sticking with football, gets a preseason All-American nomination on Monday so yesterday, as of when we're recording this, and he continues to just be that it guy on this roster going into next season. I think we're going to continue to see some All-American um, you know, accolades continue to come in for Cisco. Obviously, he was, was an All-American as a freshman. I'd say backed it up pretty solidly last season. And the thing that's really eye-popping is the more you do research on how the NFL scouts and the NFL draft experts are viewing him. The more you see his name popping up in literally the first round, in early second round, as one of the top safeties in the class, if he does choose to go, and I'd say signs are pointing that way based on the fact that he is a, a first-round pick potentially. But yeah, if you're a first-rounder, you're going. Yeah, and by all means, I think everyone would agree that he should go if that's the case. I mean, even but a second-rounder, you're still probably going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Syracuse hasn't had anyone like that in a while, and they definitely haven't had that since Dino has come in. And this is a Dino guy. This is someone that Dino recruited, and obviously you got to give some credit to the rest of the staff as well. It's not just Dino, but they went down, they found him at IMG, wasn't that highly recruited, and that could be such a big thing down the road and really pay some dividends. Not, you know, I'm kind of selfishly looking at it, from a perspective of what does this mean for the program, it would also be great for Andre Sisco, and I think we're all rooting for him and and hoping that he backs up this junior season and continues to stay around that range and goes pro and has a successful career. But I really do feel like that could be huge for trying to nab some four-stars or even a higher-end three-star and say, hey, we took a three-star, and now you might know him as – the safety for the Falcons or wherever he goes as a guy who was a first round pick. That would be just huge if Dino could claim a first round pick. Well, on top of that too, this is a local kid. I mean, he's a New York product. So that certainly helps in keeping some of the local kids home too. That's another recruiting pitch that you can make to any of the New York kids. I do want to mention with this. So he ends up on the street and Smith preseason first team, all American list. Some of the other safeties that were on there, you got LSU's Derek Stingley Jr., Ohio State's Sean Wade, Oregon's Javon Holland. So those are three schools. When you look at the the schools affiliated with the names, I mean, you're talking about two places that are considered quote-unquote DBU in LSU and Ohio State. And you're throwing Andre Sisco 
into that mix too. So that that's really assuring for as a Syracuse fan that this guy can be amongst the elites in college football. And to, to me, here's what I want to see out of Cisco. While it may be a little bit tough, you have to go out and relatively replicate the seasons that you've put together because right now on a lot of draft boards, I think our big reason why he's the number one safety, and I saw Charlie Campbell from Walter Football put out his mock draft last week, and he's got him going 30th, has him as the number one safety on on his list. And to me, you just got to show that consistency year to year. And if you did it your freshman year, your sophomore year, and then continue it into your junior year, well, then that's when the the numbers don't lie because you have proven that consistency time and time again. So I think that's going to be the the big thing that I want to see out of Cisco, and that's what can make him hold his weight as a potential first round pick is if he goes out there and replicates the seasons that he had, and he he had a very very good season as a, a sophomore, and guess what? He only played in nine games and still came very close to replicating, and in, in some cases did surpass some of his numbers from his freshman year. Yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people, and I was kind of one of them that saw the freshman year numbers and looked back at the highlights and maybe thought, oh, a lot of these interceptions just kind of fell on his lap and we'll see if he can keep it keep it up because Yeah, twelve don't fall on your lap. Seven maybe (laughs) maybe you get a couple cheap ones, but twelve that that's nothing cheap there. That's the most of active college football players. So Yeah, and seven of them were in that first year and it was like almost every game you felt like this freshman was getting an interception and now you know, it's clear that he is just a playmaker and he's got a nose for the football. And the other thing is his coverage grade has always been outstanding on pro football focus in the high 80s usually. I know his freshman campaign, it was up there, was pretty solid. Last year, he's six feet, 206. He's pretty quick. He's hard hitting at times. There's a lot in his game to like. And he's kind of like the only guy on the Syracuse roster at least that comes top of mind for me going into next season that I feel like is going to get national buzz or maybe even Mm -hmm. first team all ACC buzz. Now I think some people could prove people wrong, but after the season Syracuse had, I don't think the ACC media poll guys are going to be ready to jump and put four or five guys on the all ACC team, kind of like what we saw after the 10 win season. So, you know, I think about Cisco and, and Andre Smith kind of together because they were both tied. They're two Andres who had those breakout freshman seasons, all Americans and Schmidt. It's, it's really hard to replicate what you did when you do that so successfully as a freshman. And all of a sudden you become not just this novelty, but someone that's expected to do it. And I'd say Andre Smith didn't have a bad season, but kind of in hindsight, he didn't win the Rosa we, the yeah, next we, year. We, we should have seen that coming. Like, it's just really hard because Smith was, it was such a blur for him. I mean, he was literally not even going to Syracuse, didn't even start kicking until a senior year of high school, is a walk-on red shirt that somehow gets the job when no one expected it, and all of a sudden he's up on the stage getting the Lou Groza Award. He didn't even have time to think about it. And then he's got this whole offseason of people saying, like, well, if you do that again, you know, you might actually have a career in this, and then it becomes a real thing. And he was still pretty good last year. But Cisco, that's why it's so impressive that he's sort of backed it up sophomore year, and now we'll see if he can keep it going junior year and prove that consistency. And that's the thing where this is what scouts look for. 
are you going to regress to the mean? And when you avoid regression, that separates the one-hit wonders from the guys who are first and second round picks. Now, here's the thing that I kind of want to debunk with Andre Sisco too, is everyone is talking about his tackling and his tackling needs to get better. And, and sure, everyone's tackling can get better. But, and especially at the safety position, because that's the common flaw you see yeah. for safeties dropping from round one to round two. I mean, you look at someone like Grant Delpit. He's a first-round level talent, but his tackling maybe needed a little bit more work, and that's what caused him to fall into the second round. But here's what I want to point out with Andre Sisco is that last season, he had 65 tackles in just nine games. Meanwhile, the season before that, he had another 60-plus tackle season. And among the, the four names that Street and Smith put on their preseason first-team All-Americans, so Stingley Jr., Sean Wade, and then Javon Holland, Cisco's the only one with multiple 60-tackle seasons of those four. So to say that this is a guy who needs to make leaps and bounds in his tackling if he wants to hold steadfast in that first round, I just think isn't as accurate as maybe some people are perceiving it as. I think that his tackling is a little better than maybe he gets credit for. And that he's not yeah. just some ball-hawking defensive back. No, yeah, I think that's fair. I've been critical of the tackling at times. I think, I'm trying to remember specific games. Maryland comes to mind a little bit last well, year. Well, I don't think he was alone in that Maryland no. game. No, <laughs> no, the tackling against Maryland was, we don't have to go into it, because that was one of the worst things of It was Big 12 watched. tackling. If you wonder why Texas beats Maryland every year, it's because Big yeah. 12 tackling is a, a sight for sore eyes. And Syracuse caught a little bit of that Big 12 tackling bug, and of course, it, it it reared its ugly head against Maryland. Oh, yeah. It was, and Maryland turned out to be not that good, which kind of rubbed salt in the wound a little bit because at the time I was like, maybe Maryland's just unbelievable. Like, what is going on right now? It's so <laughs> yeah. shocking. So, anyway, I think we're I think we're both very excited to sort of follow Andre Sisco's future here and see what's next for him because he probably will leave, and this probably will be whenever it happens his last season upcoming for Syracuse. You know, one way that Andre Sisco could maximize this potential last season, continue to bolster his draft stock, maybe get that body a little bit more muscular, a little more NFL ready, he could go to BuiltBar.com and get some Built Bars by using the promo code LOCKEDON. That gets you $10 off your first box of the most delicious protein bars on the market. Some protein bars that tastes like a candy bar. They've got 16 amazing flavors. Just take the peanut butter brownie, for example. That's one of my favorites. This is the amazing thing about these bars. They're actually great for the health-conscious guy. In the peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein. That's good. 170 calories, not too many. Just 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams net carbs. That is a healthy way to bolster your workouts today. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED ON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's builtbar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED ON for $10 off your first box at builtbar.com. Okay, so some interesting news came out kind of yesterday on Monday. There was a press release from Syracuse talking about the UMBC basketball game that they have upcoming against. The Retrievers, who obviously took down Virginia, that's going to be a non-conference game. And, you know, they've cut Carrier from the press release in the past, and we've seen them refer to the stadium 
or refer to it as the dome or the loud house. Now, in this press release, the most recent one, it is simply called the stadium with a capital S, which is the first we've seen them scrub dome or loud house from it. So now, Ty, I mean, are they, I'm just confused. This is so childish. I mean, this is unbelievable. Why are we calling it the stadium? I, it just sounds terrible. No one, ever, no one's ever going to refer to it as that. It'll always be well, the here's dome my, in my eyes. Here's my thought process behind why it's being called the stadium: is that Syracuse, they know they probably can't win this this renaming battle right away. So it almost feels like they're trying to play the long game here, and and death by ten thousand paper cuts is what they want to do. <laughs> and what I mean by that is they're going to try to keep downplaying it and downplaying and downplaying. And trying to to withhold this long-standing petty battle to the point where we're not even going to remember that it was called the Carrier Dome, and from there you're going to to see them try to to renegotiate some deal, maybe with some other business as well. So for, for a naming right of this new look, quote unquote, stadium. But here's yeah. where I find exception with this, and why this is not going to work if that is indeed what Syracuse is trying to do, because. The Carrier Dome is actually, I mean, this is what it reminds, it's such a staple. First of all, it's still on the outside of the building. So I don't know why they're trying to run and hide from the fact that this is uh, called the Carrier Dome or or the Dome or whatever you want to refer to it as. Yeah. You and I will always call it the Dome. We will rarely refer to it as the Carrier Dome. It's the Dome, right? So this reminds me of a couple of things. And being from Chicago, I kind of have experience with this as... People remember and have nostalgia for what it used to be, so therefore it's always going to be known as that. And here are my two examples of that. With the White Sox, for baseball, they used to play at at Comiskey Park, and their stadium has since undergone two name changes. But there's the, the iconic pinwheels out in the outfield that gives it the old Comiskey flair. So people still call what was U.S. Cellular Field and now Guaranteed Rate Field, they'll still call it Comiskey from time to time. And on top of that, here's my other analogy to this, is the Sears Tower, which has since been renamed to the Willis Tower. But if you ask any Chicagoan, they will always call it the Sears Tower. They will yeah, never refer to it as the Willis Tower. And, and because it's this iconic building and we've all grown up with it being named after Sears, so it's it's the Sears Tower. This will always be the dome. You can sle- I mean, you can take the roof off of it, okay, and make this Seriously. an open-air football stadium, and we will still call it the dome because that is what Syracuse fans are always going to know it as. It's been ingrained in them. It's what they grew up going to, so it will forever be the dome. Maybe not the carrier dome, but it will always be referred to as the dome no matter what it looks like. As long as that building is there, it's the dome. Yeah, I mean, I... There will never be any point in my life where I stroll down I-81 and get to that point where you first see the dome and I go, oh, look, it's the stadium. (laughs) That's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm never going to even say, and you're right, I don't even really say carrier that much as is. So if they want to put on a new sponsor, I'll still probably just call it the dome. And, you know, maybe we could do a, a fantasy draft Friday on potential sponsors that would be good (laughs) to put in as the dome because i'm sure people will want wegmans or dinosaur some of these kind of silly ones the the weird thing about carrier and 
some people are going to scoff at this, but when I was like 11, 12, 13, and I just didn't really know what the world was that much, and also I barely knew still anything don't. about Syracuse basketball. Yeah, I, I still don't, but I've that's 10 years ago, to almost more. So w- way back when, though, when Syracuse was in the Big East and I watched games at the Carrier Dome, to be honest, I didn't even know that Carrier was like a company. It's yeah, I didn't like know that prominent... until I got to school. Yeah, like, and maybe people will laugh at that, but I mean, I didn't grow up in that area. So to me, I was like, oh, maybe that's just like what they call it. Like that has been the name. I didn't know that was an advertisement that they were putting on it. And maybe that shows you that I'll probably still think of it as the Carrier Dome more than maybe I'm giving it credit to. But I think well, we're here's all the reason, agreement. too, why I think this is, and again, why this is kind of a moot point and Syracuse just needs to figure this out and figure it out quickly is because, listen, when, when the game is on ESPN or whatever, and they've got the, the little graphic and it shows where the game is, they call it, the, the, the little bug says Carrier Dome. And that's what yeah. these companies want. They just want that exposure to their their corporation because that's what they're paying for. Stadiums are advertisements, and that is why these companies shell out these monster dollars. Well, Carrier didn't shell out monster dollars for this way back in the day, back in 1980. And that's why, and that's yeah. why we're in this big dispute now. But the that that's why these stadiums find it so important that there is reference. And I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't seen Carrier come out with a little more force about this because that, yeah. that's that's an agreement. And Syracuse is kind of reneging on it right now after almost, or yeah, about 40 years now. Yeah, not the stadium. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I remember Sean McDonough, I think it was when they were playing Clemson, came back from break once and said, we're back in the anything but the carrier dome or whatever he said, some sort of funny way of describing it. It's, it's almost like a joke And that's now. when it looks like, that's when you're, you should be embarrassed if you're Syracuse. Yeah. When like, stuff like that we... happens. Right. Why is it even... You look petty, you look childish. Grow up. Exactly. And, I mean, I think we all know the stadium isn't going to stick. So why are we even putting it down? Like, there's definitely going to be a new sponsor. I don't know if they'll... I mean, I would guess it's not going to be Carrier, but that's just me based on... It seems like the relationship is severed a little bit there, and I don't really blame either party for feeling that way. Mostly, I don't really blame Carrier if they're just upset with syracuse and how they've handled it but they'll definitely put a new advertisement on. i mean it'd be foolish not to especially like given that these athletic programs could use all the money in the world right now and it could be even worse if there's no football because we know how much of football is the revenue associated with these schools so i don't know it, it won't be the stadium it's just kind of funny that we're still talking about this like why why is it even a talking point can we just put the dome and on um, maybe come out with some actual announcement around it that says, hey, we're not signing back with Carrier. We're looking for partners or, or something like that. And maybe they've done that behind the scenes. I just I just am kind of tired of even talking about it a little bit. Whatever it's going to be, I mean, if you think, well, okay, I, w- I won't go to, to that extreme, but we've seen in baseball what a public negotiation looks like and how ugly that can get. This is going to be another ugly negotiation because Carrier signed a lifetime deal and you're going to need some damn good lawyers to to negotiate your way out of a lifetime deal. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, no, you're spot on. It's 
it's weird that it's even a talking point, but we'll see where it goes from here. And it's kind of a funny thing to joke about. Just seeing the stadium threw me off when I first read that UMBC press release. So anyway, coming up later on in the week, we do have Matthew Gutierrez hopefully joining the show from The Athletic, who's always great, one of our favorite guests to get on the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for sure, and we'll probably be talking some more recruiting stuff and whatever else happens on this Tuesday night as we get you every single weekday here on Locked On Syracuse. So feel free to check out the other Locked On podcasts, including Locked On ACC after this. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.